Hey, welcome to the Creative Career Starter Podcast, where I talk with young creative professionals about what they've learned along the way so far. I'm your host, Chris Lyons, and I am so glad to have you with us. Today, I'll be talking with Tasia Parks, an art director and designer at Partners in Napier. She also has her own design business called Studio T, and I'll include links to those in the show notes. Tasia started her career out in Seattle, then after a brief time in the UK, is now living in the DC area. Tasia, welcome to the Creative Career Starter Podcast. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's so good to talk to you. (laughs) You too, as always. You have been a classic design nomad for most of your young career, and I'd love for our our listeners to get a sense for how you made this happen. You work full-time for an agency, and you also run your own studio where you do direct client work, and yet you seem to live wherever the hell you want to live. How do you do this? Uh, to be honest with you, Chris, I, I I couldn't tell you. I mean, I I really just power through. I think I'm a little bit of a, a workaholic, as sad as that is to say. But um, I think most importantly, I just really enjoy designing and being at my computer and working with the clients that I work with. And I, I always make the time for that because I really enjoy doing it. So how do you find the time to do full-time agency work, and then also run your own side business, your your Studio T? Um, so working at uh, Partners in Napier um, as a full-time job, I have a pretty flexible schedule. So there's about one day a week, maybe a little bit more, where I can um, take a day off for personal business. And um, on those days, I typically work on my freelance work. Um, And then on days where I do work all day at Partners, um, I then work on my freelance work at night and usually on the weekends, too, unless, you know, business is slow or I'm waiting for feedback from clients. But really, I I really just spend a lot of time at my computer and um, I stay up fairly late. I'm kind of a night owl, so it's not like super hard for me to get things done late at night. I'll find myself at my computer like 1 a.m. and I won't realize how much time has passed, but... Yeah, I think I just kind of get lost in it. Yeah, that can be one of the great dangers of um, of being a freelancer and being in isolation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so on this on this podcast, I would love to give my young listeners a look inside the world of remote work for a graphic designer and talk about the traits that you think uh, make you successful at this. Like, are you are you incredibly disciplined to pull this off? Um, I think so. I think when you're working remotely, um, you really have to be, you know, on top of your your game in terms of communication and organization and time management skills. I think during my day job at Partners, you know, I do have someone to answer to, but we're not face to face. So it's kind of on me to make sure that I'm on task and doing the work that I've that I have cut out in front of me. Um, And then for my own studio. Um, I am my own boss. So my supervisors essentially are my clients because they're the ones that I'm answering to and they're the ones that I need to deliver to. So for me, I think it really boils down to time management and communication. So how have you picked up the more pragmatic skills of running a business and and managing that side of things? Um, I think that that skill has come from the, um, you know, everyday interpersonal skills that you pick up. I think we, we obviously learned a lot in our professional practices class at RIT, which you taught us. So I'd like to say I learned a lot from you. Um, <laughs> but 
I mean, my first job out of college was at a very small um, design studio in Seattle. And um, I really had to dive into learning how to communicate with clients in, a, in an effective way and um, making sure that I was very communicative about the process and timing and um, taking constructive feedback and always sounding professional, even if, you know, maybe the client said something that didn't sit well with me, but always making sure that I sounded um, even keeled. Um, those are just skills that you kind of learn and, and fine tune along the way. And there are definitely learning experiences. Um, but I think in terms of time management, it, it really boils down to understanding that you have a deadline and that if you don't meet that deadline, there are consequences, whether they're mild or extreme. But yeah, did that answer the question? <laughs> yeah, you know, you can go out of business in a hurry if you don't if you don't manage those things. Who who do you who do you turn to? Like, who was your mentor around doing this? You were just out of school when you started doing this. I, I'm so impressed and so amazed that you have just pulled this off seamlessly. How did, <laughs> who who mentored you through this? Um. Honestly, so when I graduated, I, I didn't really have it in my head that I was going to um, be a freelance designer. I thought I needed to get a lot of experience from agencies and studios before I could dive into the freelance world. Um, and freelance just kind of fell into my lap a few months after I um, started my first full-time job in Seattle. Someone found me on Behance out of nowhere, and that was my first client. And to, the, to this day is my strongest, most loyal and best client, honestly. Um, but I would say in terms of mentorship, at the time when I started freelancing, I was really close with an art director at the small studio that I was working at. And if ever I had any questions um, or if I was dealing with a weird client issue, um, I could just easily talk to him and bounce things off of him and take notes literally and... Um, you know, go about my way. And he was always very willing and open to do that. And he even passed a few projects on to me once he saw that, you know, I was pretty diligent and working on freelance and working independently. Um, by him doing that, I was able to expand my business slowly and really, you know, dip my toe into it and get a feel for what it is to be a freelance designer. Um, so I guess he was kind of a, a mentor. You know, that, that's instructive, for, I think, for young designers to know that you have to you have to spot that person, and then it has to be a two way relationship. Right? You can't just keep pulling from this person. And if you were working and doing great work and actually being a resource for this guy, I'm sure he felt more inclined to help you and mentor you along a little bit. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we were co-workers, so we knew that we worked well together and he knew my work style. So he had a good sense of if I was going to be a good fit for a client that he needed to pass along to me. So that and also, you know, there was the convenience of sitting next to someone at work and them saying, hey, um, I can't take this on right now. Do you do you have time for it? Do you want to work on this? So, yeah. So how have you compensated for, and, and this is a bigger question about this remote work, uh, working situation that I'd love for you to get into, how do you compensate for not being able to lean into the person next to you and look at the person next to you and have those little casual conversations about the work? Do you do it digitally with people now? So when I first started doing this, obviously we weren't in quarantine. Um, I had, I've always had a day job and then at night I had my freelance work. So I didn't really have a problem 
having those day-to-day interactions. Uh, and I think once quarantine hit, I was in the UK when it when it hit. So I was already a little bit isolated from having coworkers because at that point I had stepped away from partners and kind of taken a sabbatical. And I was working independently only on freelance when coronavirus hit. So when this all went down, I realized, you know, it's really hard to be on your own all the time and not have anyone to bounce ideas off or show your screen to or ask about colors. Like you're making all these decisions without much input unless you want to spend time sending things back and forth to people. So I think to kind of combat that, I really made a a gallant effort to, you know, send messages to people and ask for, you know, video calls and things so that we could get face-to-face time and um, just catch up. I think when you're working independently, it's important to, well, first I will say, some people work better independently than other people. Some people need that team dynamic, that that office setting, that group setting, and other people work better on their own. Um, but I think for me, I have the best of both worlds. I work really well on a team. <clears throat> I'm a huge team player, but I also strive on my own. So I think it wasn't a huge adjustment. It just meant that I had to put in a little bit more effort to ask for that FaceTime when I craved it. But I think it also gave me the opportunity to really expand my independent working skills. I I remember when you came back to Rochester and you were offered a full-time position. Mm -hmm. How did that feel when they wanted you to go back? Well, it was during the pandemic, right? Yep. Okay, so you never really were faced with having to go back inside in the traditional sense. And and then you, you decided you wanted to live in D.C., Yeah. um, So as soon as I got back from the UK, I was kind of worried about where I was going to, how I was going to make ends meet because my freelance work had slowed down and I had lightly reached out to partners to let them know that I was available for freelance work because I had contracted with them um, periodically while I was away. So when I came back and I let them know that I was available, um, they came back and said, well, how would you feel about coming back full time? And at this point, everyone was working remotely. There was no going back to the office. And also at that point, they kind of had this goal of being back in the office by October. And I didn't really think that was realistic, but we went with it. Um, But they came back with this, this offer. And I was very open and honest about the fact that I was concerned about being able to take this position, but also still give enough time to my freelance clients that I had built up relationships with over the year that I was in the UK. And they they took a couple of days and they came back and they said, well, why don't you do um, this employment plan? And it gave me a little bit more flexibility in my, um, in my schedule. And they appreciated that I was so communicative about what I was trying to balance and they understood that and they wanted me to come back enough that they were willing to accommodate that. And it was also, you know, somewhat of a negotiation process, um, which I think is, is really important. Like you have to advocate for what you need and what you want um, to make sure that you're getting the right work-life balance. So it felt really good to know that an employer that I had worked with previously and left on good terms then wanted me to come back once they knew that I was available. And there was basically no lag time in that. So that was actually a really, really cool experience. That is awesome. And good on partners for being open to having that conversation with you. Yeah. You know, it, it and it it's it's also enlightening to hear that you would think of that as a bargaining tool, as a condition for employment to say, 
this is how my life needs to work. And if you want me to work with you, this is how it's going to go. And you're you're working full time, but you live eight hours away. Yeah. And the move to D.C. came after I had already signed back on with partners. Um, they, they made my offer in June and I fully came back by, I think, August 3rd. Um, and then I just moved to D.C., you know, at the end of um, November. And um, I just basically messed. I sent a message to our HR person and I was like, I'm making this move, this big life change. And she was like, okay, well, you just need to change your address in our um, ADP system and uh, we'll fix your taxes and that's all you need to do. There was no question about, can you make time to come into the office once the pandemic is over? Um, none of that. My my position is, is indefinitely remote. So I technically don't need to go into the office at any point, which is really cool. And it allows me to you know, I can travel. Um, I have flexibility in my schedule enough where I can take personal days in the middle of the week if I need to, but I can work from anywhere, which gives me this tremendous amount of peace of mind because I can, you know, step out of the same four walls that I, I spend most of my time in and go somewhere beautiful and still be productive and know that someone is trusting me to be productive and get everything done on my to-do list. What a great unintended consequence of this pandemic. Yeah. The more young designers I talk to, the more I hear about this. I was talking with, uh, recorded a podcast last night, and, and this young man was hired in New York City, has been living in San Francisco, and he recorded the, the podcast in New Hampshire, where he oh, wow. is for two months, uh, visiting family and home for the holidays, all the while still working. And I, I, I think that's a great a great outcome of this pandemic, if there can be such a thing this new sense of place and the ability to do your job like a grown-up and and be productive on your own. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's it's important that this time has kind of forced employers to understand that you don't need everyone to be in the office all the time to make sure that they're getting their work done. Like if you give people a directive and you give them the tools to complete the tasks, they will, they will do that because you're paying them to do that. You know, their, their lifestyle depends on it. So they're going to continue to work even if they're not at a desk. But I've also done a, a fair bit of traveling since I signed back on with partners. I worked remotely for two weeks from Vermont. I had a remote cabin in Vermont. That was really nice. Um, I drove down to South Carolina, Myrtle Beach. I was there for a week. Um, the Poconos, like the the possibilities are endless. I could go back to Bali if I wanted to and work from Bali. Like it's it's kind of wild the kind of freedom I have while I still have a full time job. Not yeah. many people can say that their job trusts them to do that. No, it's awesome and and what a what a testament to your generation for making these demands about workspace and quality of life in the context of your jobs. I think it's fabulous. Yeah. So can you? Take us through, in the spirit of, of my young audience getting a sense for what it's like in this new remote world, take us through a work day. I think it's fair to say on, a, on an average day, I will be juggling anywhere from two to four projects throughout the day. Um, and when I say juggling, I just mean I have to submit things to our proofing team. So while I'm waiting for things to be proofread, I'll work on something else and just continuing to make progress on various things throughout the day. And when things are done and ready to go, I'll send them to clients. Um, and then, you know, archiving, 
um, making sure that jobs are closed for financial purposes and making sure that files are saved in a way that people can access them later for reference. So that's typically the day for partners and there may be a meeting here or there. So how do you collaborate with your creative partners, with your writers and your creative directors? Um, we we email a lot back and forth and we also use Google Suite. So we're constantly messaging. Um, and if we need to, we'll just set up a quick calendar um, meeting and have a Google meeting session. And I think we have, I don't know, anywhere from two to 50 people on a call at a time. Recently, we had a, a really cool call with um, Corona and Modelo, which are two beer companies. We had you know, a meeting, like a face-to-face meeting with clients and had to talk about our work with them. So that was a pretty um, big experience as a young designer to be talking with people at these big name companies. But that that's not an everyday thing, but it was still kind of cool. <laughs> so that's typically how the day goes for partners. And then as the day closes, um, I make sure all my files are um, on our servers. And then I will shut down my work computer and then switch my HDMI co- cord over to my personal machine and power that up. And then I'll kind of go through the same process, sands the cup of coffee, because um, it's <laughs> after 5 p.m. at this point. Um, and I'll check my emails from my freelance clients and just kind of dive into um, whatever projects I have going on, whether that's a logo or a report, like editorial design. I'll work on that for a while and then maybe, you know, take my dog out for another walk and then have dinner. And then I'll come back to my computer and just kind of work until I don't want to anymore um, or until I finish whatever task I'm working on. And then I, you know, get ready for bed and wind down for the evening and I fall asleep. <laughs> My goodness, T plus, that is a full day. Uh-huh. I would say um, a lot of my days are, I think at partners, I, I average anywhere from, you know, nine to 11 hours a day, which I don't think is normal, which is why my supervisor said I don't need to do that. Um, but I think I just have a very, I'm very dedicated to the projects that I work on. And I like to get them to a place where I feel comfortable stopping. So sometimes that takes me beyond the um, eight or nine hour workday. And then, you know, at night, I'm pretty much a night owl. So I, I thrive late at night, I get some of my best work has come when I've been awake at 2 and 3am. And that's mm. not healthy. But for some people, it works. <laughs> um, and I've, I've always been that way. So, and I think having a dedicated space for working um, in, a, in an environment that you feel like is yours and you feel creative and inspired um, and awake, I think that really helps with productivity too. So if you had advice to give to a young person about this creative lifestyle, it seems to me, and from my experience, you got to know a little bit about the business and work someplace, a couple of places first before you just try and take this on on your own. Um, I think for me personally, it really helped to kind of cultivate those professional skills, those interpersonal skills, um, organization, um, writing up contracts, reading contracts, sitting in on on meetings and learning how to communicate with clients face-to-face and over email. I think those are all things that you learn from experienced designers and it can kind of eliminate, you know, the little hiccups and the mistakes that can sometimes happen and, and miscommunications. So for me, I think that was really beneficial and I'm, I'm really glad that I took that path. To sort of wrap this up, let's talk just for a second about the pros and the cons of remote work. The pros, certainly from what you've said, is flexible location, 
flexible schedule. You're not commuting anywhere. So instead of driving a car and parking, you're walking your dog. And then I think there's a lot of hidden cost savings as it relates to commuting and going out for lunch and having to have a fabulous wardrobe. And you can also deduct expenses from your home office, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think in terms of pros and cons for working remotely, definitely you're saving on gas. I definitely can sleep in a little bit longer because I don't have to spend time getting super dressed up for work or anything. I don't have to spend time packing a lunch. I can just go down to my kitchen and get what I want. I'm spending more time with my dog, which is great. I think we all need that. Yeah, I think the, the biggest pro that I would say is there's just a little bit more flexibility. Yeah, I, a I lot would, more, really. I, I think of my agency days, I'd leave my house at 7 in the morning. I'd get home at 7 at night. Oof. And then, you know, I had two small kids, and then I'm doing the same thing you're doing, reading, staying up night to catch up with things, and getting up in the morning. You stop taking care of yourself when, when you right. when you are so overscheduled. Right. Yeah, and I think we, you know, now that we're all kind of remote right now, we're kind of buying back some time in the day mm-hmm. because we're not dealing with commutes and, you know, prepping for the day. We just kind of get started and it's it's all within our domain. So we, we kind of get back a little bit of time to ourselves. And I think that allows us to, you know, rebuild some relationships with people in our homes and family and reconnect with our own personal spaces. Another kind of cool thing I realized the other day is, you know, we spend so much money paying rent and mortgages, but we don't spend much time in our homes because we spend the majority of the day at, at you know, work and school. So with this pandemic, it's, you know, you're kind of getting your money's worth out of the place that you pay to live, which I think is really great. And it's it's kind of opened my eyes to how I want to decorate and better ways to use my space and uh, the fact that I wanted to move altogether. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't think I would have been able to do those things without, you know, a remote position. I'm just, I'm so envious of your generation and this working from anywhere you feel like being. I mean, to your point, look at the places you've been, even in the middle of a pandemic, you've managed to get to some pretty cool places and still get your work done. Yep. And I, I travel the way that I travel. I travel with my, I drive. So I take my whole setup with me. I take the monitor, I take the laptop stand, the Bluetooth keyboard, the Bluetooth mouse, have all my cords. So whenever I get where I'm going, I know that there's a desk um, because I usually use Airbnb for business. And then I just set it up exactly how it is at home so that I can be as productive as possible and know that I have everything that I need. That's awesome. Yeah. What about, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on the cons of it, uh, the downside. I mean, you can feel a little isolated at times. Maybe your days aren't quite as rigidly structured. And there's different kinds of distractions working from home. You've got your dog and you've got the refrigerator just sitting right. I mean, from my personal experience, knowing that that fridge is right up there, you know, and I, you know, I, can, I can go to the Y on my, whenever I want, that kind of stuff. And I think for me, the... I, my wife is an art director, so I've always got that sense of organic feedback and brainstorming right here in the house because we do essentially the same thing. Yeah. Do you, do you miss any of those things? I think the only thing that's hard, and, and I don't, I'm not sure if it's hard anymore, but it was, it was an adjustment, was knowing that I, I couldn't see my like close coworkers every day, not being able to just get up and, and go talk to my supervisor or 
you know, get um, feedback or input on something that I worked on in person. I do miss that that face to face time. And, you know, video calls are great, but there is something valuable about looking into a person's eyes and they're just a few feet away from you and having a conversation about the work that you're working on or just catching up about family or how your weekend was or, you know, the water cooler talk and, you know, sharing a cup of coffee in the morning. Those types of things I do miss. Remember impromptu happy hours? Remember those? Yes. Oh my gosh, McGregor's. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that used to be a thing. When's the last time you did that? Oh gosh. Yeah, I I can't even, I don't even know what that feels like anymore. Like I think no. about that and I it seems unrealistic, you know. It'll it'll be back. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> Teja, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to um, to talk with me on my podcast. I I just love hearing your voice and I love hearing your thoughts about this business. You you're just wonderful. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Chris. I'm so sorry it took so long to do this, but I'm really glad that we we made it work and I'm happy to help however I can. Thanks so much, Tasia. Sure. Thanks to my guest, Tasia Parks, for her thoughts on managing full-time agency work while running her own studio as a young designer. If you need help figuring out how to get that first agency job or how to run a freelance business or how to do both, send me an email to chris at creativecareerstarter.com we can discuss all of that. Plus, we can figure out your portfolio. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.